Welcome to the C Press podcast, a podcast from the Seattle Presbytery that invites you into conversation about issues and topics that are meaningful to the church and the church's people. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Tally Hairston, and I am the director organizing advocacy and engagement with the Seattle Presbytery, and you're listening to the C Press podcast. Today joining me is Haley. She actually directs our task force, our race and equity task force. It's good to be with you today, uh, Haley. Anything else you want to share about yourself? Yeah, I am a candidate under care uh, pursuing ordination in the Presbyterian Church, and I'm a parent, uh, five kids, and I love oat milk lattes. (laughs) (laughs) I have to try one of those. Yeah. Well, Recently, uh, with COVID-19, global pandemic, uh, we've all been home, uh, in our state at least, um, respecting the stay-at-home order. In the midst of that, I had a chance to follow some data uh, on the disparities in how certain communities are falling ill and dying with this COVID-19 disease or virus. In fact, I jumped on Apple TV and saw that Oprah was doing um, some informational kind of episodes. Free to anyone, you can jump on and watch, I think. It was, it was really eye-opening because cities like Milwaukee and Chicago, where they have a majority, literally a majority of people of color in, in many parts of their city, and yet, um, excuse me, a, um, a majority of the people who are being impacted are people of color, are disproportionately impacted by the disease. I wanted to jump on uh, with Haley to talk about this um, because recently, Haley, you wrote a newsletter for the CPRES uh, webpage. You wrote an article about this called A Reflection on Race and Equity, and, and you titled it, I believe, Exposed. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was your motivation for sharing this? What, what drew you to this? Uh, like all of us, obviously, I'm thinking a lot about just how to make meaning in this crisis, how to, um, how to exercise my faith, how to, how to think through the, the issues that are going on. And one thing that I have been doing over the last several years is just becoming aware that unless I make an intentional choice to uh, expand my my environment, my what I'm taking in, what I'm watching or listening to, or who I'm exposed to, then I'm going to get a really narrow view that because I'm a white woman, the environment I live in, the neighborhood I live in, and the church that I go to, and all of those things, all the things that kind of make up my daily life, are pretty much telling one story. And as a Christian, something that I really firmly believe is that we cannot be a Christian, we cannot be Christians and follow Jesus and only know our own story. That we really have a responsibility to understand our interconnectedness and that the gospel calls us to enter the lives of others um, and the way that the way that Jesus did. So over the last few years I've been exposing myself to lots of different voices. And so the reason I wanted to write this is because this is what I am seeing. Um, I am seeing these systemic injustices that are leading to um, higher rates of infection 
and death in communities of color. Once I am seeing that, then I have a responsibility to talk about it, to expose it, um, to name it. And um, again, that's something, this is not something that's happening. Um, you know, I happen to be in a household that uh, has two people of color in my household, my two kids that are adopted from Ethiopia. Now, we actually, as a family, were exposed to coronavirus through a neighbor. We, none of us have had symptoms, none of us developed the disorder. It's not like this is happening in my house, right? Like my two kids of color did not get the coronavirus while my, you know, my husband and I who are white were safe from it. It's not happening in my house, but it is still happening to us because these communities are, are also communities that God loves. This is, these are my family. I don't have the option of saying, oh, this doesn't affect me because I'm over here and I'm safe. As a Christian, um, I'm called to see the face of Jesus in the other. And so when I see that this is happening, then I have to be willing to say this is actually happening to us, um, that there really isn't an us that doesn't include all of us. And so that's part of my motivation for sharing this story uh, on the C-Press website. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're hitting on something for me that's like really basic aspect of Jesus's life is um, the reason we are as non-Jews, as Gentiles, right? Even ex um, experiencing and can can claim um, Christ as our Messiah is mm -hmm. because <laughs> he gives himself right to the other. Yeah, right? he, it's not just to my people, but it's, mm -hmm. it, it's to all people. And so we see that even in um, many of the ways that our faith is being shaped in this world is to be very like, like I centric, my community, um, how it impacts my church, um, how it impacts my mine and not ours. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I hear mm -hmm. a lot of that in in, in what you're saying that what motivated you, you, you wrote, in fact, in your article, you wrote about um, African-Americans in Chicago making up a third of the population, but account for 50% of infections and 72% of virus-related deaths. And in fact, um, on a call here in our own county with leaders of color and county public health officials, um, we are seeing the the resources that are coming in to our county, not going into communities most affected. Mm. Communities wow. that are, are arguing and community-based organizations are trying to get both state uh, and federal dollars to come to the local churches of color where mm -hmm. the elderly come to church, mm -hmm. <laughs> where um, elderly communities of color are a part of those networks. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that it literally is happening right here. And I like to think of myself as um, a pretty optimistic person. Um, but certainly as I've, as I've tried to, like I was saying, expand my view, expand my awareness and just wake up to the experiences of, of people whose lives are different than me. Um, it's grounding me a bit, but when it comes to, what's possible for us. When I hear things like what you're saying, I just want to say, we've got to be able to do better. Um, we have to be able to, to look, to, to wake up, to wake up and to, to care about one another, to take better care of one another, especially as the church.
Well, and you you put something in your article that I didn't I didn't know where you were headed when I started reading it, right? And I was like, I wonder where she's going with this. <laughs> and, and you say this sentence, our creativity, flexibility, and ability to innovate is far beyond what we imagine. You said that in connection to what gives you hope. Um, yes. That's powerful. Say more about that. Yeah, well, I've, I've just been noticing, you know, as someone who's been trying to pursue institutional structural transformation as you know as a veteran of this work for your whole life it's slow we like we we talk about it being slow and white folks often come into this work and we have a lot of passion and a lot of ideas and we want to move really quickly and what we hear is slow down it's a long take the long view and that's been that what that does what's that what that has done for me is given me perseverance and allowed me to to not get discouraged when things don't change as quickly as I think they should. But what I have been noticing since, you know, the beginning of March when this virus really started to hit in America is that when we want to, when we have the will, um, and when we have a sense that this will matter for our lives, for the things that we care about, we can change really fast. We can change really fast. We can get so creative. I am watching my children's teachers get incredibly creative. I'm seeing how flexible our communities of faith can be. I'm seeing people who, who said, no, 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 we can't, uh, we can't worship that way. You know, a year ago when an idea comes across the table, say, yeah, let's try that. Let's try it. I don't know. Maybe it'll work. And I'm seeing us give each other a lot of grace when we try new things and they don't work. And so I'm really hopeful and encouraged about what that means about who we really are. And there, there's a lot of barriers, I think, that have been stripped away in this time, ways of doing things that make us feel comfortable, that make us feel safe. And, and those things are not there anymore. Showing up and sitting in our favorite pew or, you know, having the same the familiar environments, there's, that's not possible right now. And where we might have said six months ago, well, I could never, you know, well, I just, I could never worship from home or, you know, I could never, I'm doing my seminary work online. And I, I would have told you, I can't learn about spiritual discernment over Zoom. And I, I've, ha I've had a wonderful spiritual discernment class over Zoom and I'm surprising myself. And I think a lot of us are, um, yes, we're struggling. Yes, um, you know, these are hard adjustments and our resilience is being tested. But when we step back and see how differently we are doing the same things that we've been doing, whether that's going to school or going to work or connecting with our families or maintaining friendships, we are doing it in new ways that we would have told you are never possible. And it's opening up new opportunities. So I'm really, really hopeful about what that means for the kind of structural change that we desperately need in order to be more equitable. Um, if we can change like this to prevent the spread of a virus, why can't we also change like this to stop the perpetuation of the virus of white supremacy that has infected our whole society for centuries. Well, yeah, sure. I, I agree. I think there's a lot to that. Um, in fact, you, in your article, lead us down the road to resurrection, right? You, 
Hmm. take us to the resurrection sister and (laughs) and i know on our work with the race and equity task force there there is um, often a discussion about kind of how our work as a committee as a task force is rooted or should be rooted in a theology right yeah and a theology that is not void of the not void of the resurrection but rather is embedded so much so in the resurrection, right? And so mm-hmm. much of what um, happens in the resurrection is a show of the earthly political powers that get um, subverted by this um, Galilean, right? This, mm-hmm. this Galilean makes the powers that be have to concoct a story about where his mm-hmm. missing and body and empty grave is, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. he made a show of not just the principalities of the world, but the principalities of the unseen world as well, right? Makes a show of them openly, the Bible says. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I think the church uh, is more willing to, to deal with the temporal and the material than it is to deal with the the unseen realities of things like power, mm-hmm. and and be, and mainly because you know Haley at times some of that stuff doesn't show up on our front door as a yeah. it's not my grandmother getting <laughs> dying it's not my neighborhood right. and right. so it's out of sight out of mind but powerful point that is said throughout all scripture that I think for me you um, example this. The, the scripture says, let he that hath an ear hear what the mm-hmm. spirit is saying to the church. And when you said, when I asked you the question, what motivated you? What I heard you say was, I have heard another community's cry. Yeah. And I'm paying attention to that cry, mm-hmm. which is essentially how the story of the good news in scripture actually happens is God hears the cry of his people. Mm-hmm. Right? God hears. Mm-hmm. Them. Yeah. And so I wonder if the church in this moment, what precedes the transformation is a church that's willing to listen again, right? Yeah. People mm-hmm. that are willing to listen to the cries of others, right? Mm-hmm. That to me, that's what, that's what challenges um, a lot of my own, like I wanna pay attention to myself. I wanna pay attention to my own bottom line. I wanna get back to work so I can make sure my 401k and, and I want to go to church because that's my seat. But the real, the, what challenges that, right? What really challenges that is when, when I'm open to hearing and listening to, to what God is saying through the cries of other people. And so I pose this question to all of our listeners is what does, what does the disparity, the health disparities created in this moment cause you to hear? Mm. What does it cause you to hear? Mm-hmm. Does it cause you to hear the cries of people who don't have access to healthcare, that live downwind from factories, that live downriver from factories, because that's where the most affordable housing is? Are, are you hearing environmental racism, right? Are you hearing that? Because if, if and, and I think we need to hear that, even if we don't agree right away, like we need to mm-hmm. hear that, right? We need to right. Yeah, I think that's a really good, amen, yes. And I I think that that last thing that you said, even if we don't agree or understand right away, 
that we keep listening, that if that we still think that listening and hearing is part of our responsibility, that we don't simply say, well, I, I, I heard and it didn't make sense. And so I plugged my ears. When we hear the cry and when we hear the spirit sometimes, it doesn't make sense. It's disorienting. Um, when people heard Jesus, <laughs> if, the, if the gospels tell right. any story, they tell a story of people who heard Jesus and said, what are you talking about? The man just left a trail of confusion everywhere he went, right? People didn't hear him and just get it, right? You know, well, listen, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of the women did, Tally. A lot of the women did hear and they got it. But we're going we're gonna to set that aside for this conversation. But I just want to say that because that's real. Read the Gospels. Look for the women. Anyway. Amen. Uh, but a lot of people didn't hear. Uh, and, what they, and when they did hear, when it threatened their power, they twisted it to make it stop. And I think there is a real temptation to do that right now. We hear something like, Communities of color in these places are being impacted in this way. And we think if we really hear that, it's going to make a claim on us and it's going to cause us to have to hear a lot of things we haven't wanted to hear. And it's easier to just twist it and say, it's because of these personal choices. It's because this, that, and whatever. There's all kinds of ways you can twist it so that it becomes not your problem. And so that it becomes something that you can get rid of and stop and stop hearing. And I see that in, I see that story in the gospels and I see another story of people who kept listening and said, I don't know what you're talking about, but like Peter saying, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Where else am I going to go? I don't have to listen. I don't have to stay awake. I can go back to sleep, but where else am I going to go? Because this, these are the words of life. This is what's real. So yeah, you may not like it, but what else are you going to do? This is, this is the path this that, is, that that's God right. has laid out for us. It's so true. And you're, I think you're hitting on, you know, you said it went best when this, in the scriptures, their response to Jesus was, this is hard to hear. Right? His mm-hmm. mm-hmm. not, not strangers only, but those who followed him. Yeah. But this is hard to hear. Um, and, and so even if we don't understand it or if we think it's hard to hear, I think listening to the disproportional way that communities are impacted by something like COVID-19 is mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. Listening to the disproportionality within employment and who's being laid off, mm-hmm. the disproportionality that exists within health, the disproportionality that exists within who then might recover economically, physically, which communities are going to be most devastated, and then pointing our attention, our prayers, our concerns, our reading towards them is essentially the the good news, right? That's the good news. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The impact Mm -hmm. of the good news is that our faith starts to, to look and act and move in that way. And and with that, I I am so grateful that you were able to jump on and talk, have this dialogue. I hope it is helpful yeah. to those who are listening. Um, any final words you want to give us on our way out the door this afternoon? I guess I'll just end with um, 
something that I've learned from you in this work, Tally, which is that when we start to listen and when we decide I'm going to keep listening, it's really important to do that in community. And so uh, my encouragement to all of us is that when we find that it's hard to hear what we're hearing, that we reach out and we find other people to listen with and to, to talk with, um, and that that be a diverse group of folks as much as possible. And to do that listening in community and to commit to listen to the spirit and allow it to transform us together. Because this really can't happen individually. It's something that has to be communally pursued. Amen. Uh, well, friends, I hope that is a, a helpful word for you. Um, and until we meet again, uh, this is the Seed Pred Podcast, and we are signing off. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Haley. Thank you.